uh, today's message, and I apologize, this, we're going to get that fixed. I didn't realize it was uh, apparently broken as bad as what it is, or maybe we'll figure something out. But today's message is, of course, about mothers. But um, it would apply to every single one of us because, you know, when you get to the end of your life, no, I'm not there, but as you grow older, you start to realize, like, there, you don't want to, like, leave this earth and not leave a trail, you know, not leave a path for people to follow. And um, you don't want to be uh, just kind of all on your own. You want to pass something on. And so as I was praying about the message, um, I was reminded over in um, Timothy where Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's in you. But right before that, he said in verse 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. And so it's interesting that he's talking about a faith that was passed on from his grandmother to his mother to him. But he's not talking about just any faith. I love the, you know, the, the, when I went to Bible school, we used the King James Version. So it's, of course, my favorite translation, even though I like, well, I like Barclay. Maybe it's my favorite. But I study from the King James because I, I learned so much that way. And I, I hear in King James <laughs> sometimes. And so, um, but I really like that King James uses the word unfeigned faith. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you. Do you know what unfeigned means? Unfeigned? The Bible, it means unfeigned, exactly. <laughs> Not fake. <laughs> Not fake. Uh, modern translations say the sincere faith that is in you. You know what sincere means? Sincere literally comes from uh, the word it means without wax. It's like clear. There's, it's like no cloudiness, so nothing hindering it. It's like pure, and it's just there, okay? So the Bible actually talks about unfeigned love and unfeigned faith. Well, sometimes the way you find out what something is is you find out, you look and see what is it not. So that means uh, he talked about a genuine faith uh, being an unfeigned faith, an unfake faith, a real faith, a sincere faith. So then... That would mean that you could have an insincere faith, or you could have a fake faith, right? And so, what's a fake faith? Well, that would be something, a faith and a belief that's not founded and based on what God said, and it's also a faith that's not rooted in your heart. The Bible says, with the heart, man believes, but with the mouth, confession is made unto in other words, when you come to accept Christ, you cannot know who Jesus was. You cannot know in your head, I'm talking about in your head, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins according to the scriptures and was rose again and is now seated at the right hand of God. If you know that in your head and you accept it mentally and that's all you do, you are not going to heaven because it's with the heart man believes. Well, what is the heart? Well, the heart is the core of your being. It's your spirit, man. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. 
Paul said, I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you are a three-part being. We are three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. When you get born again, your body doesn't change and your mind doesn't change, but your spirit is recreated in Christ Jesus, and you're recreated according to God, and you actually, uh, Corinthians tells us, you become one with God, one spirit with God. Uh, even Jesus told us in John, if you're going to worship the Father, you have to worship him how? In spirit and in truth. And he said, God's looking for people to worship him that way. That means you might say, well, I'm a person of faith, and so I go to church every week, and I worship the Lord. Well, you know, you're really not worshiping the way God wants you to if you're not doing it out of your spirit. So we worship in spirit and in truth. And um, so unfeigned faith is a real faith that'll get the job done, that connects with God, that's in your heart, not in your head. Does that make sense? So Timothy had this faith, and this was passed on from his grandmother and his mother to him. Well, I believe, it doesn't tell us, but I believe it was passed on from his grandmother to his mother and then to him. And I believe it was passed on from his grandmother to him and his mother to him. Well, part of the reason I believe that is that happened to me, is that the, the faith that my family had was passed on from my grandmother and my grandfather, and my name happens to be Timothy, <laughs> and my mother and my father to me. Uh, that's just a coincidence. <laughs> but it's true. Like, um, I, uh, I uh, have always, since I can remember, since I was young, uh, enjoyed praying. But you know, when I was a little kid, I would go over to my grandparents' house, and we'd spend the night. We had, there were four boys, and so they'd normally take one of us at a time. <laughs> and so... Come time for my night, I'll go spend the night. And then we get up at 5 a.m. My grandparents are retired. But we would get up at 5 a.m. And uh, I think it was at 5.30, it was 5.30 to 6, we would go what Grandma called the Davenport, which is a couch, Eddie. <laughs> and so we'd kneel at the couch and we'd pray. And you know, at the time, I didn't think anything of it. And I'm thinking like, you know, I'm probably thinking, like, are we almost done, you know, because they had a long list, and, and so we'd pray. But that put something in me for prayer from even a young age. And, uh, you know, they, they prayed very heartfelt prayers. And so it affected me at a young age. And so when we're talking about passing your faith on to the next generation, we have to look at a unfeigned faith, not a fake faith. So in other words, we have to look at a faith that is of the heart. Well, we're going to read in, in a second in uh, Second Corinthians where Paul said, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life, right? So when you're talking about passing your faith on to the next generation, whether it's your own children or just another generation of people. You know, we're all called to be disciples. We're all called to pass on our faith. We're all called to um, minister to other people. And um, 
to let the Lord use us in that way. And it's really one of the greatest privileges that you'll have in life is to take the faith that has been given unto you and to pass it on. Why? Because you actually see someone, if, you, if it's an unfeigned faith, what is happening? You see someone that is just purely learning to trust God, learning to look to God in every situation of life. Because we know in part, Paul said by the Holy Spirit, and, but we, and we prophesy in part, right? So you may be hugely used of God, and you may find yourself prophesying, and the Holy Spirit will show you things to come, but the Holy Spirit will not show you everything to come. And you only know in part. And so what will happen is, in life at some point, you will have surprises that show up that you're not expecting and that you, you know, this is not the best time for this to happen. Okay? And so if you can learn to trust God in every area of your life, you know what? It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what comes. It doesn't matter where it comes from because you're not relying upon yourself and you're not relying upon uh, even what you learned, but you're relying upon God himself. Real faith is based on the word of God and real faith connects with God. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In other words, you're not going to please God without faith. The only way you're going to please God is by faith. And uh, if you want to read Hebrews chapter 11, uh, read through it this afternoon, you'll find like all these men and women dig things for God by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. In other words, what did they do? They just trusted what, that what God said was true. I was listening to a message from uh, Dad Hagen a, a few weeks ago uh, from when I was in school, one of my classes, and at the very end of the message, he taught this message on uh, authority of the believer, and at the very end of the message, he just kind of nonchalantly said, um, about like this, he said, act like the Bible's true and it'll become true. And he left. <laughs> and... Uh, being around him so much, you kind of, I would be like, I wonder why he's like, he's like not more like emphasizing this, you know. Well, so many things that he would say were so good that if you just like, you could just pass over them. And so that is really the essence of how you live by faith. You act like the Bible's true, what God said is true, and it will become true. I can't tell you time and time again, he would tell when he pastored a church, he had board run churches, and so the board would say, oh, we got this issue coming up, and we don't know what to do, and everything's, it's going to fall apart, and it's terrible, and they're all getting stressed and frantic, and finally they look at him, the pastor, and they'd say, pastor, what are we going to do? And he said, we're just going to act like the Bible's true. And they'd say, oh, okay. <laughs> well, why is that? Because it's real easy to um, start to give dominance to unrenewed thinking or give dominance to desires of the flesh. Do you know sometimes your flesh wants to worry? Like your flesh is gratified and satisfied by worrying about stuff? Well, what is that? Well, that's really a lack of faith. That, that's really putting uh, what you know and what you can do ahead of what God can do, right? So... Um, we don't want to worry. We want to stay in faith. Yeah. 
So true faith is real and is sincere, and true faith is of the heart. So you may say, like, okay, I got that, Pastor. I can see that. But um, have you looked at me lately? Like, look at the uh, condition of my faith and look at where I'm at. Well, the Bible does talk about there's many conditions of faith. You know, we talk about here, unfeigned faith. It's sincere faith, real faith. The Bible talks about weak faith. The Bible talks about dead faith. The Bible talks about uh, increasing faith, strong faith, great faith. So we know, according to the Word of God, that your faith can be in different conditions. But where, where does your faith come from to begin with? The gift of God. It's grace. What does that mean? Uh, you can't earn it. You can't do anything to get more of it, you know, uh, of that essence, okay? So, so what does that mean then if the Bible tells us all over that your faith can be in all of these different conditions, but you get faith and it comes from God? So what kind of faith do you think God would give you if, it, if he's the one giving it? Well, I like Mark 11, 23, 24, Mark 11, 22. You know, Jesus had just cursed the fig tree the day before and the disciples passing by again saw it and they're like, it's like dried up from the root. It's like springtime, and we have a lot of yard, and so like I'm like clipping this stuff, and it's like coming up from the root. You cut it off, and from the root, it just keeps coming up. Just, well, Jesus spoke to that thing, and it dried up from the root. In other words, they're saying, Jesus, when you do something, well, you do it all the way. Like, you don't just do it like it's not just false faith, right? In other words, it just doesn't look like it's gone, but it's really there. No, he goes to the root of the thing. And so, and then they're marveling at this, looking at this, saying, now, Jesus, like, well, what happened? What happened? And he said, have faith in God, or literally the Greek says, have the God kind of faith. One translation says, have the faith of God. Well, Jesus is not going to tell you to do something that you cannot do. And so we are actually to operate with the faith of God. Uh, Romans 10, 17 says, now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. One of my favorite translations of that is today's English, I believe, is the translation. And it says, now faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. I love that translation because inevitably what the devil wants you to believe and sometimes what your experiences will try to communicate to you is, well... Um, my faith doesn't work. I have this faith, but it doesn't work. Or um, people, people, no matter where you're at, I don't know why the flesh gravitates towards works, but the flesh wants to accomplish something to get a better relationship with the Lord or to get in better standing with the Lord. And so I like that translation because faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. Do you realize somebody, even in a, in a condition of dead faith, if they hear the word that faith that they have is now infused with life and awakened. Well, what, what really happens is we just call everything faith. We call natural human faith, faith. So I have natural human faith that if I go out on 495 and cars are going 60, 70 miles per hour and I walk across there, uh, that that's not very wise to do. <laughs> right? There's that guy that was um, uh, died and somebody said, 
uh, well, the Lord must have took them. Well, that's not biblical. But this guy was like working on an electrical panel, and he got electrocuted, and he died. This is years and years and years ago. It's a story Brother Hang told us. And um, somebody said, well, the Lord took him. And, um, well, not really, because there was a sign that says, do not open this panel if water is present. And he was standing in a puddle of water, and he opened the panel and got electrocuted and died. So he disobeyed the laws of safety. That's like natural human faith. You can see it, you know it, you don't do it, like jump off of a tall building and stuff like that. So we, we lump that in and say like, oh, well, that's this. Or then there's a mental faith, like you're just mentally agreeing to something. I, I hesitate to even call that faith. But you see it and you just mentally say, okay, yes, it is that way. And, and you go by, but it doesn't actually affect your life. The Bible faith affects your life. Heart faith affects your life. In other words, when you believe from your heart, It'll show up in your life. You're, you're, you will change. And um, your words will change. Your desires will change. This is the kind of faith that Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, uh, we look sometimes and say like, well, well, am I in faith about this? Am I not in faith about it? And you get kind of like nervous about it and you actually know when you're believing. When you're believing, you can laugh at the circumstances because you're like, you know, you can know in your head this makes absolutely no sense. Like we knew moving out here financially, this makes absolutely no sense. But what happened? I had a word from the Lord on the inside. And so I knew, oh, I'll step out on that. And not only did I have that, but I had scriptures to back it up. If you left houses and lands, I'll give you houses and lands. I'll take care of you, though, that preach the gospel should live by the gospel. And you can go on and on and on and on and on. So doesn't mean the thought still didn't try to come, like, you are crazy. Like, uh, you know, I got paid well at the church I was at, and they really liked me there, and I had a, a big future, according to them there, and stuff like that, and they didn't want me to leave, and several times, like, are you gonna, why are you leaving? You know, don't leave, those type of things. So you have thoughts come, and then you have well-meaning people say, like, uh, I don't think that's a very wise thing to do, and all this type of stuff, and uh, of course, I checked with the Lord and my mentors and stuff like that, but um, you see that your faith can be solid in the midst of storms and waves and everything, circumstance that looks totally contrary. Your faith can be and should be, and Bible faith is, solid. But you can have a doubt in your head with faith in your heart. Because why? That's just your mind. And what happens? Well, Romans 12.2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, the more you renew your mind, the more you're transformed by your mind, uh, the more different you'll be. Till so you'll look back and you'll say, I don't even remember how I used to think. Because now you think the thoughts of God after him. Like he thought them, and now you see them, and you think them, and now his thoughts actually become your thoughts. And so... Um, God has dealt to every person the measure of faith, okay? So you have uh, a measure of faith, and it's a matter of what are you going to do with it? In other words, are you going to yield to that, or are you just going to yield to natural things and what you think about it and what uh, your aunt says about it? You need to yield, and I need to yield, to the spirit of faith that we have. 2 Corinthians 4.13 
we're going to uh, spend some time in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith, as it is written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. And I'm gonna, uh, I'll stay over there, and I'll just read uh, Ephesians 2.8. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So you see, if you're born again, you have faith. That's how you got born again. For it is by grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So God has given every single one of us this. So if you want to pass on an unfeigned faith, a faith that's not fake, a real faith, a faith that will actually make a difference in someone's life, in your child's life, in your friend's life, even you can even minister to your own parents. If you want to pass on that kind of faith, then you have to realize that that's the kind of faith that you have on the inside of you. And you have to let that faith dominate you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. So really, the more of the word of God that you hear in your spirit, the more you're going to be acting on what he said. In other words, you can't have faith for something that you don't know is possible. So as soon as you find out that by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed, now what? Well, if you know that that was written in the word, and if you know that the word was inspired, that the Holy Spirit, excuse me, inspired holy men of old to write as they were moved by him, and then maybe you know, well, the Holy Spirit is God, and so God inspired that to be written, and so that was actually written for me. So now if you realize God said this, well, this changes everything. Because if just you said it, or I said it, or your teacher said it, or your friend said it, or your parents said it, that's one thing. But as soon as you realize on the inside, this is what God said, well, this changes everything. Uh, you can really like step out. Um, your whole perspective changes. But what happens the second that you realize that? Right after you realize that, Jesus taught us, look out. Because the devil's going to come and try to steal that word that's there. And how does he steal it? Well, sometimes he steals it through the distractions of life, through busyness and through the lusts of riches and other things that try to creep in and what? Steal the word of God that's sown. Why? That's the only thing he can do. Because that word, you shall know the truth, Jesus said, and the truth will make you free or set you free. And so, like I've said before, uh, uh, in my natural family, on my father's side, they had Alzheimer's running. And so I grew up not understanding this stuff. And so I thought, well, there's probably a good chance that I'm going to have Alzheimer's when I get older. Do you know what? There is like zero chance because I have been refathered from above. So I have a new bloodline. I have a new DNA line. And I have the spirit of God inside my body that just like that same spirit that took Christ and rose him from the dead... That same spirit affects my body, my mortal body, is what Corinthians tells us. That same spirit, Amen. not a different spirit, the same spirit, affects my body. And so, um, you know, I was, I was uh, this week, I was listening to something, and um, I, I think it's, uh, it's Psalm 34 and also uh, 
1 Peter 3.10. Uh, let me look over. I wasn't going to intend to share this with you, but I'll share it real quick. Uh, First Peter, I think it's three ten. Maybe that's not it. Oh, three ten, not two ten. I'm looking at two ten. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. And guile is like falseness or lies or all this type of stuff. And so I was listening to a message this week, and, and uh, there was a uh, free Methodist uh, guy, and he was getting ready to have his 90th birthday. His 90th birthday was the next week, and Brother Higgin used to work for him. And... Um, uh, when he was first starting out in ministry, he was preaching, and he all had to have another job, and so he worked for him and uh, really respected him. And um, he was getting ready to turn 90, and he had almost every hair on his head, and he only had a few gray hairs. And then he um, was as strong as he was at 23 in every way. He could do anything uh, you know, that all you young guys can do that I could do. Strength-wise, in other words, uh, uh, let me take you to the gym, right? I'll do the same thing you do. And um, he had all of that strength. And he said, he said, I've got, and this might not mean as much to you now, but he said, I have all my teeth. He didn't lose any of his teeth, okay? Well, <laughs> this would have been back in like the 30s or the 40s, okay? He said, I believe God to keep my teeth. And he said, I always liked your messages, because you taught on faith. And so he said, you know, I haven't been, I haven't been sick. You can ask my wife in f over 40 years. He's getting ready to turn 90. And um, so uh, he, uh, he called him Kenneth. He says, so Kenneth, he's like, do you want to know how? He said, I learned to keep this. You know, there was a guy in, in, his, uh, in their town, was only a town of maybe five or 6,000, and this guy was in World War I, and uh, he got probably what we would call PTSD. He was also gassed, and so he was kind of mentally messed up. And um, the guy would, was like the town crazy guy, basically, and he would go around town, and he would try to knife people, and he slit a lady's throat. She didn't die. She was okay. But the, the only person that could deal with him, because he was a huge guy, was the chief of police. So finally one day... This guy just said to the chief of police, I'm going to kill you. You know, the only way you're going to stop me is you're going to have to shoot me, da, da, da. And he thought, oh, man, I guess it's come to that. That's all I can do. And so he ended up shooting him, and the guy died. And um, he was a drunk. He'd get drunk and do all, you know, kind of act like that. And um, all the people were standing around and talking about him, uh, the people that Brother Hagin worked with. And they said, uh, oh, I can't believe I'm so glad he's gone. Good riddance. You know, it's so much better for the town. It's a safe place now, da, da, da. And this guy, Mr. Smith, he said, you know, he had pretty eyes. And he actually did have really pretty eyes. Um, so even in that, he's not going to say anything bad about him. So I was listening to that this week, and then 
Brother Hagin quoted that verse in 1 Peter 3.10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. And I thought, well, look at that. Look at that. If I want to have a good life and a long life, I just have to watch my tongue, which is sometimes easier said than done, but it's very important to put a guard over your tongue because it'll affect your life. But what set me free was I thought, and I wasn't thinking I'm going to die young or something like that, but um, it set me free because I was like, the key is right there. If you want long life, the key is right there. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. Because then, why? Because God is the one that said it. Because if you will love life and see good days, some translations say long days. And you could also read it, the same thing is reflected in Psalm 34. Because Peter's really just quoting from Psalm 34. And so the word of God has the key to every area of your life. And every area of my life, we just have to see it and act on it. That's why we really need a spirit of wisdom and revelation, because uh, that changes it. As soon as you see with God's light, it changes. It changes everything. Back to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So you may say, look at yourself and be like, you know, I, I would love for my family, my children, uh, those that I influence to have this solid, immovable, working faith, faith that works, faith that lives, faith that changes things, faith that changes the circumstances, but look at me, right? So then you're more aware of yourself, right? It's like, how many of you, don't raise your hands, but how many of you uh, did not look in the mirror this morning? Just raise your hand. I, I did, but I'm raising it for example. What do you do? Well, you evaluate yourself. How do I look? How is this? How is that? I hope you did, right? If you're married, your husband or wife hopes you did. And so you have a tendency, I have a tendency to do the same thing when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. And are you being successful and are you not being successful? And are you training your children? Are you instilling into your children, are you instilling into those that you influence the God kind of faith? And so you may look and you say, uh, no, I'm not. And then you see what your mom did or your dad did or your friend does. And Jesus called that unwise. He said, they that measure themselves by themselves are unwise. So really, our, our measuring stick is Jesus Christ. So if our measuring stick is Jesus Christ, wouldn't you rather go back and measure yourself by yourself? <laughs> well, if you have to do it in your own strength, yes, but you don't. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If you have to be successful and right and perfect and do all the right things in your own ability, uh, you're probably not going to heaven if that's how you came to Christ because that means you're developing and trying to get there by your own righteousness, your own accomplishments. But we are to accept what Jesus did, the righteousness of God in Christ that he gave to us. In other words, so that you say, okay, I want little Johnny to grow up as a man of faith, but I keep making mistakes. I keep losing my temper. I keep saying the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing. Do you know one of the best examples you can be for anyone is a real example? In other words, let's not teach other people, let's not teach our kids 
that Christianity means that you're living a perfect life and you make no more mistakes. Let's teach that when you become a Christian, you still work in the same job. If you're not a Christian now and you get born again this morning, tomorrow morning, do not quit your job. (laughs) What's going to show up is someone now who has the life of God and the nature of God inside of them. Someone that brings God on the scene, that brings God's answers on the scene. So if your job is raising your children, all of a sudden, if your kids see, oh, yeah, mommy yelled or mommy messed up, but she asked for forgiveness and then she prayed to God and she did better. And you do better this week than you did next week, you know, last week. Don't do better this week than next week. (laughs) So you're increasing and improving and doing better and better. And so the Christian life is not not a, uh, what do you call it, a picture of perfect people. It's a picture of of people that have been made perfectly right with God. It's a picture of people that have had the perfect sacrifice put up in heaven on their behalf. In other words, it's not a get out of mistakes free card. You're still in the flesh. You're still going to make mistakes, but it's what you do when you make the mistakes. Right? It's not about not falling. It's about not getting up. So the only way we can get up is our faith is in him. Our confidence is in him. He is our strength. He is our help. He is our ability. That's the life of faith. The life of faith is really the life of trusting in God. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says, We preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ, the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. In other words, we're not preaching ourselves. We're not saying, like, you got to do it like me. you got to be like me. Follow me as I follow Christ. I love that Paul said that. There's such freedom in that statement. You could say that to anybody. Follow me as I follow Christ. And you are secure in telling them that. Because if you're not following Christ, they really have no business following you. For God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shine in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Glory to God. That's so good. It reminds me... um, over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. My uh, speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Do you realize it's a demonstration of the Spirit when the love of God is allowed to flow through you? Uh, Brother Hagin defined the supernatural as a divine intervention in the ordinary course of nature. So you might find yourself yielding to the love that's inside of you being a divine intervention in the ordinary (laughs) course of nature. Ordinarily, I would do this. Or, you know, again, let's bring it home. So... Uh, ordinarily, I would, huh, so you might go, huh, and be like, oh, you know what? I'm learning not to do that because I'm increasing and improving more and more, and the strength of the Lord is mine, the help of the Lord is mine. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Okay, for just a second, I don't know if you have children or not, but even if you don't, just think if you had children or you had to watch children for like a week. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. (laughs) We are perplexed, but not in despair. (laughs) 
<laughs> I have kids, so hopefully you're having as much fun as I am. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. I, oh, okay. She's so young, she probably won't care. So when I first had my daughter, I thought, that's my, my first child uh, born was a, a little girl, Evie. And I thought, this is so wonderful. I don't have to worry about, my mom would tell me all these stories. She had all boys, like she'd change our diapers and we'd pee on her and all this type of stuff. I was like, this is so wonderful. I have a little girl first and I'm not going to get peed on. And I was at my uncle's house in Arizona <laughs> in the bathroom changing her. I don't know how she did it, but she peed all over me. <laughs> okay. Cast down but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? That's a sacrifice. That's giving up yourself. He freely gave up himself. Um, moms, dads, parents. Uh, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. You could almost say that the life of Jesus would show up while I'm here on the earth. In this earth suit. Right? Because the, the most perplexing thing is... And it must have to do with our authority. The most perplexing thing is, if you look at a, a true Christian, a true Christian, you have God himself living on the inside of you. You have the creator of every molecule, every cell of your body on the inside of you. You have all wisdom, all knowledge on the inside of you. Yet, we don't act like it so many times. Why don't we act like it? Because we need a spirit of wisdom revelation. We need light. Ephesians 1 talks about this. That's why Paul said, pray this prayer, right? I'm praying this prayer for you. Why? So that you can know what you have. King James calls it your inheritance. In other words, you're part of a new family now, and this is a very wealthy family. And, but you got to know what you have, what your inheritance is. If you were part of Donald Trump's family and you didn't know, maybe they don't, I don't know, but I'm assuming the kids can use it. They have like a helicopter and they have a private plane and all of this stuff. Well, you could take your car and you could drive from, where do they live? New York to California. And like, okay, I did that because I had to get a truck to tow our, tow our church trailer. So it took like three or four days. Or you could get in a private jet that probably takes four hours. But if you don't know that you have access to that, it's not going to do you any good. And so every Christian, every believer, this is how you pray for people. You don't really just pray, oh, Lord, bless them. This will bless them. Pray that they get a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. One, uh, in the margin it says, for the acknowledging of him. Pray that light comes. Uh, Amplified says that the eyes of your spirit would be flooded with light. So uh, for the sake of time, I'm not going to do it, but if we turned out all the lights in here and then I said, okay, I'll walk up and down the stairs, you are going to stumble and you might fall trying to walk up and down these stairs because it's a strange distance, right? Because it's got its seats and stuff like that. But as soon as the light comes on, what happens? Oh, it's easy to see. I'm trying to work on something on the TV and trying to see the model of it, and there's a little bit of light back there, but I couldn't see, so I took out my cell phone, turned on the light, put it on. Oh, look, I see the model number. So I can look up the model number and go find out what's wrong and hopefully <laughs> and, and figure it out. But I couldn't do it without light. But that plaque was still there. 
I still had access to that. And I, I was like straining and trying to see, and it was tall, so I was trying to get up there. But as soon as the light came on, I could see. Well, that's what happens when you have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's what every single one of us need. As soon as you have light, faith is there. Do you understand? In other words, it's in a, how do you say that? Faith is in usable form as soon as you see that. Right? Because you're not working, uh, you're not working to get faith. As soon as you see what God said and you know God said it, well, faith is there. And what does faith do? Faith acts. In other words, if you're truly born again, it will affect the way you live. What does that mean? Well, you have accepted what God said, what Jesus said, and you'd accepted Jesus Christ, you've received him, and he will affect your life. He'll affect the way you parent. He'll affect the way you work. He'll affect the way you think. He'll affect your, your what do you call it, leisure time. He'll affect every part of your life if you let him, okay? So if you're born again, you have God on the inside of you. You have all of this on the inside of you. You just have to be aware of it and aware of the effects. And then you know what will happen? You'll find yourself praying for people and they'll be healed. You'll find yourself believing God for finances and the finances will come. According to your faith, so be it done to you. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive and powerful, sharper uh, than any scalpel, than any medical instrument, that your word penetrates the core of our being and divides our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions from our spirit. Father, that we can see what is the real us. Father, I pray for each and every person that's here and each and every person that's listening, that you would give us light that you would give us shed floods of light onto us, that we'll see what we get as being part of your family, that we'll see our position with you, Father, that we'll not cower under or yield to the things of the flesh and of the earth and of the devil, but, Father, that we'll stand up bold and strong for you, and Father, that we will pass on what you have given to us, that we will pass on a pure faith, a faith that just loves you, a faith that magnifies you, a faith that realizes that you are our all in all. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word quickens us and that your spirit makes our mortal body, this body that we're living in, alive, and that it affects every cell of our body. Father, we thank you for complete health in every person that's here and every person that's listening from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet, from every part, the outside, from our skin, all the way to the, in our internal organs, that every part of our body is affected by your spirit that raised Christ from the dead who lives in us. Father, I pray that you would help us to be God inside minded, that we would realize and understand and begin to comprehend that you are inside of us, 
that your love is inside of us, that you've given us your nature, that you've given us your, your power and your ability, and Father, that you've given us your word. I pray, Father, that as we read your word, revelation, understanding, wisdom from you would be open to us. Father, I thank you for an opening of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.